Oh, there we go. Hey, hey, everybody out there in whatever the hell it is land. This is the Noise Brigade. We're back once again. It's going to be me. It's going to be Tom, and it's going to be our special guest, Richie. Hello. How's everybody doing tonight? Rich, you want to say hello to the millions and millions of fans we have? Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Rich. Um, how are you? <laughs> Well, Rich, we're good. Uh, Bob, uh, you guys grew up together, but Rich, I've known you for a long time now, and uh, we've we've done some video game episodes, and uh, Bob had this idea to kind of do this bucket list video game systems and games and stuff that we really wanted to own when we were kids, but we found out that you just owned all this stuff at one point or another in your life. Uh, so mostly, not not as a kid. Uh, one or two of them. <laughs> I, I, I was a little spoiled, but I mean, there was a, a reason for that. Um, but... Yeah, it makes great sense to have you on, though. So I'm 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 thrilled to have you here, and you know, uh, I think this will be a great conversation. So, thank you. Yeah, it's just gonna it's just gonna make me really jealous, is all. But you know, it, it's all good. So we're gonna discuss some stuff that we always wanted, or some stuff in in my case, really, um, some stuff that I had or or that we had and and got rid of, and we wish we didn't. Um, so. Without any further ado, I guess uh, we'll kick this off. Who, who wants to go first? Bob, why don't you just run this off on our off our note sheet? We'll try to uh, our, our run sheet, you know, because we're professionals. Yes, so. professionals. That's what we are. We're, right. we're very good professionals. So why don't you kick us off? What was the first thing that whenever you started thinking about this concept? Um, you know, and granted, let, let's do a little preface. We did a Sega episode last time, and so some of this content may cross over, but I think that was really the 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 thing that kick this off you know i was like oh hey wait a minute what about these things that we really wanted but we never had right um so what was the first thing that you wrote down that so said, I, hey. first thing that really popped in my head is the same thing that always pops in my head whenever i think about what i should get next um and it's a turbo graphic 16. so I, dude i've always wanted one i uh, i almost pulled the trigger on one not too long ago i almost got the turbo graphics mini when that released um uh, you know, it's just, it's a cool system. It's, it's always been one that I've, I've kind of had my eye on and eventually I'm going to own. Um, it's just the games are so friggin' expensive. So I, I'm definitely going to have to snag an EverDrive if I do grab one. Um, now, Rich, I remember you had one for a brief time when we were younger, um, yes. but you've got some experience with TurboGrafx-16. Uh, yeah, we, um, what I was saying earlier is that one of the reasons why I had some of these things growing up um, after my, uh, grandfather retired him and my uh, grandma um, basically did what everyone's doing on YouTube right now where they would go to yard sales or uh, flea markets and stuff and pick stuff up and then resell it at uh, flea markets. So I would go out with them on Saturdays or Sundays or Fridays or whenever. And um, if we found a video game system cheap, uh, they would usually just buy it for me uh, knowing that, Hey, we can resell it later or, or whatever. Um, so that's how I got to get the, you know, I had a TurboGrafx-16. Um, I had, like, everything from the Atari up because you could find them all over the place, uh, you know, in the 90s at yard sales. So, yeah, um, at a yard sale, we got a TurboGrafx-16 uh, boxed uh, with, like, three or four games. And uh, I, I did wind up reselling that later, and that is a regret because I'd love to have a boxed one. But I do have one um, now. I got rid of it because... Uh, couldn't find any games for it back then. Uh, there wasn't really a, a reseller's market. And um, not all the games for the TurboGrafx are good. Uh, it's actually the, the expensive <laughs> games you're talking about are the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, 
Oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but there's the one that's it's like a Zelda clone. A uh, Neotopia. Yes, yeah. That's awesome. Just... They have two of them. Uh, the first one is relatively. Actually, I don't know what the prices are now. Um, I have that one. I didn't spend a lot for it. I don't have the second one because that one's expensive. Yeah, I remember. I actually at one point when I was prepping to get a TurboGrafx 16, like I was so far into it that I actually ordered Newtopia. Wow. I had it, um, and I held on to it for a little bit, and then I was like, you know what? I, I started going through. I actually made. I, I have on my uh, desktop a an Excel sheet with every single game for every system that I want. Uh, and what the prices were at the time and that i did all that before we hit this big bubble where where now everything's ridiculously priced yeah so um obviously all the prices on that are probably wrong at this point but yeah i, I actually had bought newtopia so i've owned a turbografx 16 game i've yet to own a turbografx 16 yeah i never knew anyone who had one uh growing up as a kid um i know a few people who who have one now um it's uh yeah the games are most of the big games um a lot of shooters you know the like space shooters from up whatever you want to call them um splatterhouse is the other big one it's like the only port of the uh the splatterhouse arcade game they had some right. sequels from the genesis but, uh, there was yeah. a uh, portable uh turbo graphics uh machine though wasn't there turbo express am i mistaken in saying that um, that's what it was called. Okay, cool. So I, that's one of the things I, I had a vague recollection of that, you know, growing up as a kid, because I was like you, I didn't know anyone that had one either, um, TurboGrafx-16 or the, the portable Turbo Express. Um, and I was kind of one of those things that I thought about over time, but never really was, you know, I'm, I'm not like, you know, big collector either. So um, it wasn't one of those things that I sought out. However, I thought it was very cool, like, you know, especially just, what it was so now do you rich um based on the note sheet here you have one of these things i do um i got lucky and uh i guess right out of college i was living in the uh, by myself in an apartment at the time i found a lot on uh i think it was ebay and i, and I want to say it was two hundred dollars for the turbo express inbox uh the turbo express tv tuner and a pile of games Oh wow! And cool. um, at the time, I could barely afford that, but I knew that it was a deal, so I, uh, I grabbed it anyway. Um, I think one of the reasons why it was cheap is, uh, kind of like the Game Gear. Uh, there's a lot of known issues with the, the Turbo Express, and one of them is the sound uh, doesn't work on a lot of them. What happens is the, just like with the um, Game Gear, the capacitors go, mm. and. Uh, I knew how to fix that. So I, I bought it. I fixed it myself. And uh, I think I played with it twice and it kind of just sits in its box inside of a shelf in my basement right now. So, um, good. No, well, go ahead and finish on the, on the turbo graphics, but, but you just sparked a memory for me that, that I need to bring up. I was going to say, it's cool. It was, it came out before the nomad. So I want to say it's the first portable that played the same games as the console. And that's what's uh, cool about it. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right on that because I know. I know the Lynx came out before it, as far as color, and um, didn't the Game Gear as well? I, I think so. They may have came out around the same time. But but neither of them were as advanced as the as the Turbo Express because the Turbo Express it was basically, you know, the the pre switch where you could play the same games on your TV as you're playing on the go. For reference, the Atari Lynx was first, so there you go. 
Okay, there we go. Yeah. So, Rich, what what are the things that you? I don't know why it took this long for it to trigger in my head, but you had mentioned uh, all the Atari stuff you had. I remember being up there before I moved uh, when you're in that apartment in, in Collingswood and you had the um, the Atari wireless controllers, which I didn't know were a thing until yes. like right around that time. And you had uh, Custer's Revenge. I did. That's when I started collecting again. Like I got out of it for a while, a long time. And um, I even stopped like, I guess around the PS2, I stopped even playing console games. Um, I didn't pick up an Xbox 360 until Bioshock came out, and I really wanted to play that. Uh, yeah, so Atari was the first one I remember having, so that's the... I mean, we, we had the Nintendo, too, and I love the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, but the Atari is, like, where my heart uh, kind of is. Um, and, yeah, a, a friend of mine gave me... Um, where I was working at the time, their Atari with a pile of their games, like, oh, this is really cool. Let's start uh, buying this stuff again. And uh, Atari's still cheap. I mean, it's it's like everything else. It's jumped up a little bit, but you can still find, like, Custer's Revenge. Um, I picked up a sealed copy of it not too long ago for, I think, $150, which isn't isn't terrible, all things considered. No, get out. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's not um, I was no. Somebody on eBay selling uh, that. Um, Beat them and eat them, and a couple, a couple of the other uh, mystique um, Atari pornographic games. Uh, I guess somebody just must found a a warehouse lot or something, so yeah, they're not fairly expensive. And they're awesome. That's awesome. I yeah. remember playing those those ROMs in college and being like, "What the hell is this?" I I could like beat them and eat them. Tom, have you ever have you ever seen that game? No, no, uh, I have not. Wait, so have you ever played Kaboom? I think it's called Kaboom. No, it doesn't ring a bell. There's yeah. a, a, it's an Activision game. There's a criminal on top of the building throwing bombs, and you play as this little bucket that you go back and forth collecting the bombs. Beat 'em and eat 'em is the same game, uh, but instead of bombs, you're collecting um, what you would think of with a name like Beat 'em and eat 'em. <laughs> baby, baby batter. Yeah. Oh, Unborn that's children. good. That's good. And um, uh, these these games were sold. Uh, Behind counters, at I think of the I I was five at the time, so I want to know for sure. But I think the story is they were only sold behind counters at pornographic uh, bookstores and stuff like that. So you had to like seek them out. So they're kind of rare, but like I said, not rare enough that uh, you know they're super expensive. Right? Yeah, there was still enough of a market for it to where there was enough produced and yeah. there's enough out there. That makes sense. That's interesting, though. It that's one of the you know it's funny. It's one of the topics that we haven't touched on. Um, you know, that was no pun intended there. Pornographic <laughs> um, games or masturbation? Well, yeah, both of those. But no, it's, it's it's very interesting because it's one of those things that, yeah, it is a genre um, that, you know, is very seldom talked about, honestly, particularly video games. So it's that's cool. I, I Actually, that's kind of a nice historical thing, honestly. The only, the only other one I could think, they keep remaking Leisure Shoot Larry. Like, he's had a new game right. two years ago, and, and I guess it's gotten less pornographic the further it's gone on but that's like when i guess the longest running pornographic series yeah yeah I, I remember that early on the you know pc that was a, yeah. a big one so yeah it's been around um uh, you guys both touched on this and i don't mean to kind of go back but um the everdrive um in, in reference to the turbo graphics uh, bob you mentioned this last time we talked um we podcasted uh I, I'm kind of unfamiliar with this. Um, what 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 is the, and, and and you know maybe kind of enlighten whoever listens to this, uh, whoever wants to pick this up. What is the EverDrive? 
So the EverDrive is basically a cartridge that has an SD or a micro SD card slot in it now um, that you can load backup files of the games you already own onto and you can play them on the system, not ones you illegally download from the internet because that's bad. Okay. But so for all, for all of our so, listeners, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. So it allows you, basically it's, it's a, it's a cartridge that has a slot in it that you could put um, other storage in. You can copy ROMs and files off of your computer and you can play them on the actual original hardware. So like what it's cool is if you have, um, say you're somebody that has, uh, that does homebrew, you can load homebrew games on it and you can play them on your, on your system. Um, some of these companies now, there's actually companies that are coming out with games still. Um, there's a couple companies that I actually just saw four games got released for the Atari Lynx and they're releasing them as ROMs as well so that you can buy the ROM rather than the cartridge. Um, same thing, there's some NES games, there's some Dreamcast games that have still been released. The retro community is really thriving right now as far as new games and stuff. So there's, there's all different uses you can use it for. The legal uses are ROMs that you buy or games that you already own that you back up. And obviously there's the illegal side where you can go to ROM sites or download ROMs and, and put them on there and play. Cool. Okay. No, that's, that's fair. And I think that's a good, valid point you mentioned about the um, kind of the homebrew community and some of the first, especially for some of these vintage things that we've been talking about over the last couple of episodes where it's really perked up. And I think a lot of it can be, you know, kind of accustomed to what everything else is going. It's very digital. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, there's still, you know, people out there that like their, you know, records, right? Uh, but there's also a whole other sect audience there that's like, you know what, if I can grab a digital copy of something and put it on something, um, yeah, that, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, Rich, you've got you've got some EverDrives, right? Um, I do. I have the Nintendo EverDrive uh, and the TurboGrafx and the Game Boy Advanced um, one. Uh, EverDrive itself is a brand name, um, but there's other... Uh, Things like the EverDrive, um, pretty much for every console or even uh, old computers. Um, they also have optical disc emulators for the uh, Saturn and Dreamcast, so you can rip out the CD drive, pop in this thing that just takes an SD card, and it thinks you're using a CD. Yeah, Tom and actually Tom and I were actually talking about that last episode because I I bought a Dreamcast for fifty bucks. Um, with the intention of throwing an, an optical drive emulator in there until I saw all the extra stuff you have to do. And I'm not, I'm not so good at soldering and stuff. So I'm not too keen on putting a fan and all that stuff in. So I might end up just doing, um, just doing some, some boot disc action and, and a side loader, but I don't know, man, it, it all looks, I really want to do an optical drive emulator. It does. I'd like to um, put one in my uh, GameCube so I can start, uh, playing those GameCube games that are way too expensive. Yeah, and honestly, man, that's another thing too. You know, obviously, we don't want to we don't want to advocate piracy, but some of these games, the only way we're playing them is if if it's through emulation or something like that. Because yeah. as much as I love, you know, a game that we'll get to on this list, Cubivore, I'm not going to be able to pay three hundred dollars just for the disc. I just I can't. You know, unless right. I win the lottery, I'm not dropping that kind of money for. Um, for you know there's there's countless other games that are even higher than that that are like five six seven hundred dollars and i'm not going to be able to pay that but i really want to experience the game and if there's no other way to do it you know it's also part of pre preserving the history of video games 
which is something that really we, you know, we need to start taking seriously as a community and making sure that and these companies can help us with that because they own the IPs. And if they're going to let it go, you know, just drift away into nothing, somebody's got to preserve it. We just went really deep there, Bob. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, let's um, let's kind of we'll, we'll get back on track here with these things. And, and the next system, uh, Bobby, you had on the, the run sheet here um, was one that I was familiar with based on more of the software, um, Neo Geo. Um, I never had one. I didn't know anyone that had one. But um, Bob, you want to kind of chime us in? Rich, I know you've got some things on the Neo Geo. Well, yeah, this is uh, this is one that, speaking of too expensive, um, I mean, this thing was expensive when it came out, let alone now, and, and the games are ridiculous now. But this was a system that most people that I know, their experiences came through playing the Neo Geo cabinets in arcades. They had the, uh, similar to the Nintendo Play 10s, they had the, um, the Neo Geo arcade cabinet, and you could select different games. Now, in those cabinets, I'm most familiar with Baseball Stars, with um, Super Baseball 2020, and with uh, Samurai Showdown, the Samurai Showdown series. And also, you know, there was like World Heroes and Final Fight and all the fighting games because Neo Geo was awesome for fighting games and uh, the Metal Slug series. Um, but it was just, it's such a cool system and it was so advanced for its time and I've, I've wanted one, but there was never been a period in my life when I've been willing to drop what it was uh, necessary, at least for the ones I saw. I never got any real good deals on them. Now, that is, uh, you know, that's been my experience with it. But, but Rich, you've had a little bit better experience with it. Um, yeah. Uh, well, the first time I ever saw one was at a yard sale as a kid um, on Kings Highway. Uh, I don't know. I remember the, yeah, the kids were in a great couple of grades older than us. Um, they mm -hmm. did go to school. I don't remember their names, uh, but it was way too expensive at the yard sale. Uh, like you said, when the games came out, they were $200 a piece uh, new. And that's because they were the same games you were playing in the arcade. Um, again, after I started collecting games again, uh, a local retro game store uh, in Blackwood, New Jersey, got in both a Neo Geo AES, that's the home home version, and a Neo Geo CD uh, at the same time. And I could only afford one of them, and I knew I wanted to get it, and I should have went with the Turbo or the Neo Geo CD uh, because. There's no copy protection on that, and you can burn games if you're so inclined to, to pirate them. But I did buy the AES because, wow, this is cool. I can have an AES. And it came with Samurai Showdown, which is an awesome uh, fighting game. And uh, the problem I'm having now is uh, I have this awesome Neo Geo AES. Uh, but if I want games for it, i got to spend $500, uh, $1,000, the Metal Slug games, like you were talking about, they go for a couple grand a piece, and there's like six of them. Wow. Um, there, there are EverDrive, EverDrive like things for the TurboGrafx, or sorry, for the Neo Geo, um, but that's six hundred dollars uh, by itself for a, a something you can put an SD card into. Uh, they make multi carts for the MVS, that's the arcade one, um, and the thing I guess since the AES came out. Uh, there's been converters where you can put your, by default, they're not compatible. So you can't take an arcade cartridge and put it in the home system. Um, they changed some pinouts on the boards inside of it. So even back then, people made converters because it was cheaper to buy the MVS carts. 
Uh, so that's one way to go. But I own a couple of um, Japanese cartridges because by default the Japanese games are for some reason cheaper than the the North American games. But um, again, it, it's because they were two hundred dollars when they came out. They're hard to find now. They're expensive now, and uh, usually when you find them, they're at a game store where they know what they have and they're priced like eBay prices. So uh, it's really, really hard to collect for. That's crazy, and, and and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, if it was that pricey then, it, it is now, and uh, you know, tenfold almost, like you said, on 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 some of those games. Um, but I know Bob and I have always talked about um, and played a lot of this through the years, um, Baseball Stars and Super Baseball Twenty Twenty, and, and and some of these other games that we've referenced. Uh, Bob, I know you and I have several times on here, um, but I, I will be dead honest on this one. I remember when that came out and was like, uh, there is no way I can convince my parents to get me this thing. I, want to say, <laughs> I, I could be wrong, but I want to say the system when it came out was $600 by itself. I think you're right. It was either it, yeah. at the low, it was four ninety nine. dollars uh, It had to be, I, I think you're dead on. I think it was a five ninety nine system. And um, <laughs> the, yeah, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. And what's funny is, you know, as much as as expensive as everything is with it and everything, the definitive edition of Baseball Stars actually came out on the NES. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. We know that. that that was the one where where you could do all the customization, and everything. Like it, the one for Neo Geo, both well, you know, because it was the arcade game that you were playing at home. It was straight up an arcade game. It was the teams are the teams are the teams. There's no messing around with it. And I, I'd say nine times out of ten, if you talk to somebody who's played both, they prefer the NES one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just my—I mean, my—you know—my takeaway from it. But um, so then, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, Bob. Because I know that this was another one. Uh, they had a they had a portable. What they what they have here? So they had they had the Neo Geo Pocket, which was a black and white, um, non backlit screen. Uh, basically supposed to be a competitor to the Game Boy uh, by SNK, the same company that made the Neo Geo. And so it had a lot of the same games. It had, um, you know, baseball stars, had your fighting games, your world heroes, um, Final Fight, all that stuff, but in like 8-bit form. Um, and then they released the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which was supposed to compete with the, uh, the Game Boy Color, obviously. And it was a really cool little system. And it it ran on cartridges. It was uh, a landscape um, formatted system, so kind of like the Game Gear um, and the original Game Boy Advance. But it was a color screen. I don't. The one thing I don't remember is I don't remember if it had a backlit screen or if it was just a like a normal screen like the Game Boy, the original Game Boy Advance had. It, it um, didn't have the backlit screen, so it would run forever off of two AA batteries. Nice, nice. Yeah. So I had gotten one on eBay in the early 2000s, um, and it came with like six games, and I, if I remember correctly, it was only like 30 or 40 bucks. Um, and it was a really cool system. What I really liked about it was it had an analog nub instead of a, a D-pad. And it was just, it was a cool little system. Um, it wasn't just an analog nub. It had micro switches. So it was a micro switch joystick. Oh, okay. Super clicky. And it's just super responsive too. Yeah. It was, I just remember being blown away by it and thinking, wow, this is a really cool system. And then for whatever reason, I put it down and I never ended up picking it back up. And I, it was sitting in a cabinet and I got rid of it and I wish I didn't. 
it also had, for some reason, a port of Sonic the Hedgehog that was better than the Game Gear port. Yeah, I had that. I had that. Rich, do you have one of these now? or I do, and um, I, I got mine at a thrift store, so I think I paid less than $5 for it. Wow. Good God. Dude, because they're expensive now, too. Are they? Can they pull it up on it? That's cool. Man, yeah, that's one of those things I've never really thought about. <laughs> so I have no frame of reference on this. I, I wouldn't have thought about it. Like I said, I saw it in the thrift store and it was cheap. So like, okay, I'll grab it. Yeah, no, that's cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. All right. So we, we've done some Turbo Graphics, um, Neo Geo stuff. Uh, let's let's kind of keep that portable line going. Bob, you threw something kind of interesting here um, that I vaguely recall. But this was I was kind of just reading through your notes. It was kind of cool. Go ahead on this. Yeah, so so I'm going to dive in on this one, and um, I'm going to throw an additional thing at the end because I, I just happened to look something up on eBay, and I God, I wish I didn't. Um, but the Game Boy Advance SP NES edition. So there was a period right around the same time, probably right around the same. I, I'm pretty sure it was right around the same time as I had a Neo Geo Pocket Color. Uh, Nintendo released the Game Boy Advance SP NES edition, and it was cool because it looked like. When it was folded shut, it looked like an NES. It had the you know the the strip on the top, and then when you opened it up, it had the the little inlay that looked like the inlay on the um, NES controllers. And around the same time, they released a stack of games as the NES Classics line, and it was like Super Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers, um, Excite Bike, Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda Two, Donkey Kong, Ice Climbers. Um, think the original Bomberman balloon fight Metroid. Metroid yeah there was there was a ton of them and uh, I had it and I had most of the classics games and I got rid of them and I god I wish I didn't because not only because the system was cool looking but it's worth a pretty penny now um and just like throwing that throwing at the same time I had Shining Force for the Game Boy Advance which we've talked about Shining Force a lot that one's going for about 70 online now. Um, I had the Famicom Edition Game Boy Micro, which is ridiculously hard to find now. Uh, I had the Game Boy Player, which the Game Boy Player itself is not hard to find. However, the Game Di or the Game Boy Player Disc is ridiculously hard to find and is super expensive. Uh, luckily, they came out with a... Um, it goes in the memory card slot with an SD card, and it, it's kind of like a bootloader for that. Um, and then the one that I just looked at, and I'm kicking myself every day when I look at it, is the Hylian Shield, or Hylian Shield, I can't remember how to say it, but basically Link's Shield from The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> they made a new Nintendo 2DS XL version that had the shield on the front. And I had it, and for a while I kept it in box in my closet. I'm like, this is going to be worth something. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to mess with it. And then Peyton lost his his 3ds so or his 2ds so i gave him my 2ds and i'm like oh screw it i'll just i'll give him my 2ds i'll open my the the zelda one that i have in there and i opened it and played with it for a while and then during the point where i was trying to kind of clean things up and and get rid of some stuff help pay some bills and stuff um i sold it and it's now going for over 700 dollars on ebay and uh just want to go play in traffic and dark clothing. <laughs> so, Rich, you, did you have any of that stuff, man? Um, 
Well, I skipped over the original Game Boy Advance. Uh, so when the SP came out, it was backlit, and it looked uh, much cooler than the original one, so I got it then. Um, I had a silver one at first, and I sold that later. I don't know what I did did with that. But right now, I do have the uh, NES edition. It's out of the box, but it's uh, the official one. You can actually get um, repo cases for your Game Boy Advance of anything right now. So you can pretty much just buy whatever version of the Game Boy Advance you want and throw it in one of those cases. Oh, nice. Um, but I also have a Game Boy Micro. I don't have the Famicom one. I have just the regular uh, black one. And I think I like that. A little, I mean, it's smaller than the uh, SP, so the screen's a little smaller, but being smaller, it's a sharper screen. And that's really fun just to play with and kind of carry around with you. Love the micro. The micro is fun. Um, I do have the gameplay player with disc for my uh, GameCube. Uh, that's awesome. I looked into that. Um, I haven't tried playing with it yet, but yeah, that um, unofficial one you're talking about. Mm-hmm has a lot more features, and it's supposed to run um, a little more authentic to the Game Boy Advance than the official Game Boy Advance player. I think the Game Boy Advance player is a little faster or something with its emulation, and this is supposed to be closer to the... I don't really... I mean, it, it plays fine for me, but uh, it was something that seemed neat to play with. All right. Yeah, I might... I, that may be the way that I end up going for it, because I had actually bought, um, you know, a while back, I guess it was... I don't remember if it was over this summer, if it was last summer, but um, Up, Up, Down, Down had done a Pokemon Stadium tournament. And so I got Pokemon Stadium for the N64 and I bought the transfer cards and I bought a copy of Pokemon Yellow and I was going to get one for Peyton too um, so that we could train up our Pokemon and, and fight against each other because we'd been playing that. Well, I wanted a way to play the game that wasn't just in the N64. Like if, if he was playing on that, I wanted to be able to play, you know, in my room and i thought about uh game i thought about the um game boy player for the super nintendo but then or or the super game boy rather for the super nintendo but then i had seen that um hyperkin had come out with the retron sq and i thought oh well that's great it can play it can play game boy advance games too that's that's a no-brainer i'm gonna get that and i got it and it was it was cool. It worked really well until I realized that it didn't save games to the cartridge. It saved games to an SD card, and there was no way to load your game back onto the cartridge. So basically, all the Pokemon that I just trained to beat up my nephew—I mean, to play Pokemon Stadium with my nephew—were um, trapped on the system. And so I got rid of that. And I've been looking for a good solution ever since. And I think that 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 Game Boy Player with the with the uh, the memory card boot is probably going to be better for it. Um, just kind of moving forward is real quickly on the game, uh, you know, kind of the, the Nintendo uh, line of portables. I remember, and this is previous to me buying a uh, switch Lite Cause you know, obviously kids and all. So that, that's kind of more where I'm at right now. Um, but before I did that, I was really considering just grabbing up um, one of the SENS editions of the 3DS XL. And it had nothing to do with anything what um, you guys have discussed. I was purely looking at it for aesthetics because I just thought it looked really cool. Um, and I thought maybe that's something my kids would like. Because at the time, like, they they both had um, uh, some, a couple of um, 2DSs, you know, that they were playing on. And I thought, well, maybe this might be a good precursor, knowing that, you know, I, I could grab this for for what it was going for. 
because I think um, I, I was seeing good pricing knowing that a Switch Lite was coming out type deal. And um, I just didn't, didn't pull the trigger on it. I kind of wish I did just because I, I just kind of like the look of it. Did either of you guys have that by chance? Or? Yeah, there's. I didn't have that um, that version. I, I have the just the regular uh, 3ds um, or new 3ds or whatever. Right. But there was a. I really liked the Persona games, and there was a Persona Q for the 3ds. Oh, yeah. And there was a, a. It looks like a book from the game. I forget the name of the book itself, but it was like a purple. Uh, 3ds um xl and it was only sold at gamestop and at one point it was down to like under 200 dollars because it wasn't selling and i really wish i i bought it because right now you can't touch it right yeah i remember that one I, that one was really cool looking um and tom i remember the the snes one that you're talking about that one was really cool too i didn't have that what i had was um i'm really into the fire emblem games as i've i've said on here before and when Fire Emblem Fates came out, which it came out with two different versions, there was Conquest and there was Birthright. Um, they released a special edition new 3DS, and I got it, um, and I loved it. It was it was gorgeous. It was white and black, and then it had little designs on it too. Um, it was sitting on my nightstand next to my MacBook Pro, and Peyton was just a little kid, and he knocked over a glass. I had a Tervis tumbler full of ice water. And he knocked over the ice water, and it fried the MacBook, and it um, the, it made the the 3ds act a little wonky, um, and so I got it to dry out, and I got it to start working right again. And shortly after I got it to start working right again, I was like, uh, you know what? Maybe I need to maybe maybe we'll get rid of this while it still works. And I should have just held on to the damn thing. All right, so we've we've done systems uh, kind of death. We mentioned uh, some games here, uh, but let's let's kind of dive in a little bit further, and we'll just talk about uh, some games in general. Not, and we'll and we'll go back and forth with uh, revisiting some systems too. But Bob, you threw on Earthbound here, and this was a game that I actually owned at one point. Um, sad to say, I don't own it anymore. But uh, yeah, wow, talk about a classic. Yeah, it's just one of the coolest games that I've ever played. Um, just all the little references, all the little the little wink and a nod moments in it. Um, and it was just weird. It was just, it wasn't like any other RPG that had come out at the time. And really, there hasn't been another RPG aside from maybe Contact that came out for the DS. Um, that's been that That's been really like it since. And it's something that, you know, a lot of people had no idea what it was at the time when it even came out and they they still didn't really until smash brothers made ness a a popular character right and you know what there's a crazy thing so my my note on this and, I, and 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 i put this down here so you know both my parents in the military and so we would do a lot of shopping at either you know mcguire or go down to dover or sometimes we'd go over to the navy yard whatever and i can't remember where i saw this but here's the insane thing about my my thing with earthbound and i remember this distinctly not only did I have it, I got it for basically pennies on the dollar, like less than ten dollars. Get out! No. Yeah, if, if you listen to a lot of other video game podcasts, they'll they'll tell you that when it was out, nobody was buying it, so it eventually got just clearance off. For, yep, for like uh, mine, mine was, was. I can I can recall that it was in 
and and I, I, I happened on some other games later in life um, like this. I picked up like some a copy of like Phoenix Wright um, for like three bucks at McGuire um, because of the, the the discount bin. And Earthbound was one of them that I can remember. Of course, I was a lot younger, but yeah, it was uh, in, it was either seventy five or ninety percent off um, new, new because no one was buying it. And I was like, oh, I'll grab it, and I just did not appreciate it at all. And maybe because I thought it was that weird at the time. Um, but that's what it is, you know. I mean, I just wasn't at the right time, and well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and even in, I remember in Nintendo Power there being an ad for it, and they had scratch and sniff ads for this game. This is this is how wacky like the marketing and everything around this game was. Um, it was completely different from anything we'd really seen at the time. But, and Rich, I know you, you know, you had it as well. Um, what are your thoughts on on Earthbound? Yeah, this is um one of the ones that I, I regret because I did wind up selling it. I had a a complete in box copy of it that I got semi cheap off of eBay in like the early two thousands, and uh, I played it. I really did. It's a fantastic game. I mean, you can't really really argue that. But I figured I played it. It's just sitting there. I wanted a a NAS at the time, uh, something just to like you know computer thing. So yeah, let's, let's sell this. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a little bummed. Um, I did wind up getting it again in like a lot of other games at a yard sale. So I do have a, a loose copy, but that's one of the things that just looks cool on the, the box art's awesome. It's the star guard. I forget the name of the character, but it's just this big guardian type character on the front of it in an oversized box because it came with this cool um, manual that was also a strategy guide that was written like a travel guide for the lands in the game. And it also had scratch and sniff cards inside of it. Cause they're right. really pushing the scratch and sniff thing for some reason. Yeah. It's got, um, I think the, ad, the ads were this game stinks. That's right. Oh, that, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it had master belch on it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I could have picked up a copy for a hundred bucks at level up entertainment down in, um, May's Landing right before I moved down to Florida and I didn't grab it and I kicked myself every day thinking about that too. Like it's like, dude, what well, the hell didn't you get it? What's weird with Earthbound is it's not terribly rare. Like you see it a lot at shows or at um, video game stores and stuff like that. It's just everyone likes it, so that keeps the uh, keeps the price high. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can it's not hard to track down. It's kind mm -hmm. of a it's a game kind of like um Conquer's Bad Fur Day where people, yeah. you know, you you can readily get it, but people just love it. And I mean that, you know, Conquer's Bad Fur Day, I guess, came towards the end of the N64's run. It had maybe a more limited run, but it's the same situation. And um the thing with Earthbound too is that Nintendo kept it hidden for a while. Like you couldn't play it on any of their uh virtual consoles until it finally came out for i think it was on the wii u first yes where you could download it there and then you couldn't play uh snes games on the 3ds you can only play them on the new 3ds right so you could buy it there um and then there's famously the they still haven't translated earthbound or mother 3 which right. was the sequel to Earthbound, but there's some fan uh, translations that are really good. Um, but they did put out Earthbound Zero, which was Mother. Uh, I, I know it was on the Wii U. It might be on 
the 3DS too, but they don't have them on the Switch. Um, yeah, I th I think it's on the I think it's on the 3DS. Um, like you said, because it was in, it was for the NES. Yeah, and um, you, can, you can definitely play it on the or you can play Earthbound on the SNES Classic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which that's I you know I've got it everywhere it's released on a virtual console. I have bought it just simply because I'm like you know what I want to show them that there's an, an a, you know people wanting this. This is something that people actually want to buy. So uh, you know anywhere it's come out on a virtual console, I've bought. Um, which I guess kind of plays into their thing. Like, hey, if we just keep on not giving them Mother Three, we'll we'll get them to keep buying Earthbound. So I I don't know. Um, it's such a good game. I really wish they would come out with something else. It, and you know, it was Mother Three went through a lot of different changes because wasn't it originally supposed to come out for the? It was supposed to come out for the sixty four, and then did they move it to the disc to the sixty four disc drive, or or am I imagining things? I think it was originally for the disc drive. It was supposed to be like a DD game. All right, and then it went to N sixty four, and then it went. It ended up eventually on uh, Game Boy Advance. That's where I got the fan translated cartridge. Nice. Where yeah. All right, so um, Earthbound. Let's move on to another one. Um, this one, I'm, you know, Bob and you, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but Cubivore. Yes. Uh, so let's uh, do, a little, do a little bit on this one. So Cubivore, super weird game, and you know, in the same vein, not the same kind of game as Earthbound, but it's a it's a super quirky game, and it's it's basically about evolution, and um, you're this little creature, and you you're a cube, and all of the the creatures in your little area are made up of cubes and, and panels and squares and stuff. And it's, it's kind of, it's actually kind of dark in a way, even though it's like presented in this rainbow flowery kind of deal. Um, but the whole goal is for each level you go through, you attack other cubes and you steal parts off of them and you kill them and then you evolve. And, um, you get to pick what kind of evolutions you get. Different colors give you different powers and stuff like that. Super weird game. Like I said before, you know, I saw it in the EB Games in, in the Defert Mall. Uh, I almost bought it. I bought Super Monkey Ball instead. Um, and recently I sold the disc. Well, not recently. Maybe like two years ago I sold the disc, which I should have just held on to because I sold it, I think, for 100 And it's it's going now for 300 for just a disc, 350 and if you have a complete inbox copy, it's it's damn close to a thousand dollars. Yeah, Rich, you were uh, before we start recording. You were mentioning then a little bit on Cubivore. Do you got anything on this one? Um, yeah, just that I, I only know of it because it's a a rare. It, it's also one of those um, rare in quote uh, games where it's uh, stupid expensive but fun at the same time. Like it's almost it, it's worth playing. Um, but you can't because you have to spend a thousand dollars if you want to play it. Kind of games, right? Um, I've only ever seen it in the wild once, and I, I didn't pick it up because I didn't know much about it at the time. Yeah, it's definitely it's a fun game. It's something that like if I was stressed out, I'd put it on and I'd play it, and I would just kind of relax and, and just veg out and play it. Um, but uh, you know, I can't in good conscience drop the kind of money that it requires to to pay to to get it. I, I'm gonna probably. Um, you know, like you said earlier, Rich, uh, probably get an, an ODE and, and drop it into my GameCube and, and play it on there. All right. This next one, uh, which is funny because, uh, Bob, I have a lot of memories uh, here playing Rock Band, some iteration of it um, with you and, and drinking a lot of cheap beer. 
Uh, <laughs> that's what I did. Um, uh, but yeah, Rock Band 4. I thought this was kind of interesting that you put this on here. But then after kind of reading your story on it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you want to kind of uh, talk us through this one a little bit? Yeah, why not make myself look more stupid than I already do? So um, <laughs> when Rock Band 4 came out, uh, I had entered a contest with Harmonix, and I actually I won a copy. Um, and so I got a free copy, and me meanwhile, I had pre-ordered it because I didn't think I was going to win. Um, and so I, I bought it. I won a copy. And then um, I ended up getting rid of both of them because I was moving. And so I sold it. I gave the one away um, as a Christmas gift. And then, like, after I was in my house and, and I was just going around different places, I came across the Rock Band 4, the, I don't remember what the bundle was called, but it was like an upgraded bundle. But it came with the drums and everything. And it was on clearance at GameStop. And I picked it up, and I picked up an extra guitar, and it was like... Like you guys were saying with with Earthbound and everything, it was like pennies on the dollar. I'm pretty sure I paid like fifty bucks for the for the rock the whole set with the drums, and then it was like it was Rockman Rivals, Rockman Four Rivals, um, and I paid like twenty dollars for the guitar, and I had it, and it was cool, and I liked it, and I liked playing it, but it was just a pain to like keep. And at some point, I was like, all right, this thing is it, it's messing up clothes that I have hanging in my my closet and uh it was just i didn't have anywhere to put it so it's like screw it i'm just gonna get rid of it i don't play it enough to make it worth it and i got rid of it and um yeah man it was uh pretty stupid because now the guitars themselves are are or at least last time i looked were around 200 dollars themselves um and you know it, it's funny because every time harmonics posts anything on social media like hey we're doing this sale. We're, we're putting this out. We're releasing these new songs. Everybody in the comments inevitably posts, well, yeah, that's great. When are you making new instruments? Well, the instruments didn't sell when they put them out. Now, all of a sudden, people want them to make instruments again. Are they going to buy them for the prices that a harmonic sells them for? Who knows? I know I would because I've been burned more than once by it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it would be cool. It, it, it's such a fun game and it's such a fun genre. And unfortunately, you know, places like GameStop and, and other places that, that take trade-ins, we're getting inundated with plastic instruments because everybody likes it for a, for a month and then eventually gets tired of it and gets rid of everything or things break and they trade it in. Um, I just, man, I, this is one of those ones I could probably put a down payment on a condo if I still had all of the rock band sets that I got rid of. All right um well, well let's kind of quickly move on through some of these next things because we did a whole second episode so we won't hit on these too much um just more like some kind of nuanced things uh we talked about the Sega master system last time um a little bit but uh did you have any kind of additional notes that you wanted to hit and rich you know feel free to chime in on on anything I, on this one yeah I, I didn't have this as a kid or know anybody that had it this is one of the ones that i picked up uh much later in life um the games are okay, but I did get the uh, 3D glasses, the shutter glasses with it, and uh, they're awesome. They're they're really cool. It's uh, yeah, they have like a the best one I played with it is the 3D missile command. Um, it's uh, you're just what what's the is it just called missile command the arcade game? 
The one where the missiles are coming down out of the sky and you have to defend the yeah, city. Yeah, it, it's, it's a 3D <laughs> yeah. version of that. And it's uh, awesome because not only is it a 3D game, but you play it with the phaser, the light gun. Nice. So you're shooting down the missiles in 3D, which is awesome. Oh, that's pretty cool. Cool. And uh, I'm trying to think. They have um, Rastan. It was an arcade game, um, a brawler. Uh, the Master System version of that is awesome. Um, what's cool is a lot of the Master System games um, are just the same hard. Well, they're, they're Japan, so they have extra sound um, chips inside of them. And you can get a converter for the Genesis that'll let you play the Master System games with the extra sound channels. Huh. So oh, games like um, Rastan and a couple other ones uh, just sound so much better. I think it has like four more channels of audio. Oh, no kidding. It's, it's cool. yeah. That's funny. Well, uh, Bob, Bob, you and I talked about that with um, the, the Sega episode last time about how um, I thought the Genesis sound was much better than like the Nintendo stuff for certain things. Uh, I went really kind of into NBA Jam, but... Uh, so that's kind of interesting to hear again about you know Sega being kind of the forefront well, what, of that. What's cool about the sound? Um, uh, first of all, you're wrong. The Super Nintendo had much better sound than the Genesis. I was only talking about the NBA Jam one. Okay, uh, but the Genesis um, was backwards compatible with the Sega Master System because the sound chip in the Genesis is the CPU that was used in the Master System. Ah, okay, cool. So you're literally just the the power based converter. And the new ones are literally just uh, pastors for the cartridges. Okay, cool. Because everything's already inside of it, so it uh, was easy to do the backward stuff. Awesome. I really like the um, what you said about the uh, the 3D glasses. That's really neat. I, I've never heard that, so that's that's cool. So now, were yeah. they? Were they uh, did you do you have to have a a tube TV for or a CRT TV for that, or can you use it with the new with the new TVs? I have all my stuff connected to CRT TV, so I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'm thinking you'd probably have to have a tube TV for kind of for the same reason. Uh, you need them for light guns because I think it's based on the the cycle of the TV, uh, the refresh okay. rate. That makes um, sense. But you also have to have a – and I think they all have this except for maybe the last model of the power system. It plugs into the little – the Master Systems had the cartridge slot, and then they had a little card slot on the front that looks exactly like um, the Hue cards for the Turbo Graphics. Right. And the way the glasses work is you actually plug them into the little Hue card slot, and you plug the games into the game slot. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, that was one. Um, we had talked about that, uh, like like Tom said on the Sega the Sega episode we just did. Um, I talked about the the master system and how cool it was with with being able to have the hue card slot and the the cartridge slot, and then how the technology was basically the same for the um, Game Gear, and that's why they were able to to port so many games so quickly because they they had this back library. It was just a matter of putting it on, you know, throwing it on the the Game Gear cartridge, yeah. um, and then talked about for the Game Gear itself having the Master Gear converter, just like the Genesis had the power base converter. And they allowed you know each system to play the master system games, so it was a uh, it was pretty cool. That that system is one that I've I've always liked. Um, never had just like you, and never knew anybody really as a kid that had it. But I did bump into it at one point. Um, 
I don't remember whose house it was, but I was at somebody's house and they had Tommy Lasorda baseball. And I remember playing it on there and it was pretty cool. Um, you just mentioned this uh, with uh, the Game Gear. Um, moving on to that, um, you had mentioned the Game Gear TV tuner here in our notes. And this is one of those things I really wanted, but um, I already had like a small handheld portable, you know, the antenna goes out like 10 feet um, <laughs> TV. Um, so it was obviously one of those things that hey, I really wanted, but I kind of already had in a way. Um, so this was kind of cool. Rich, I know you threw a note on here about this. You said you had a Turbo Express one of these things? Uh, yeah, it's the, literally the same thing. It's just a plug-in TV tuner. Um, unfortunately, I got it after the uh, the digital switchover, so I wasn't able to ever use it. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's, it's same idea. Cool. Yeah, and I, it, 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 it was always fascinating to me because these little things like the you know, TV tuners or I always thought the, uh, you know, the, the Game Boy printer, you know, those like little things that – you know, very kind of quirky items, um, but, you know, we're, we're kind of neat in the same way. So it was like you're, you're bringing more, you know, things, you know, add-ons, if you will, to these things that, you know, thinking about it now, it sounds kind of funny, but back then it was really cool, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to have a little printer, you could hook up to your, like with the Game Boy camera and then the Game Boy printer, whoever thought that, that playing a Game Boy, you'd be able to do that stuff. Ryan had one. Um, he had a Game Boy Pocket and a Game Boy and a Game Boy um, camera and the printer for it, and it was just cool. It, like I remember him taking pictures of people and printing them out and then sticking them places because it yeah, was like a just, sticker thing. Yeah, just these neat peripherals that, like I said, we kind of we can kind of almost laugh at now, but back then, I mean, especially when you're young, it's like wow, this is so cool. Um, but um, okay, moving on. This is um, you know kind of staying in the same uh, Sega thing. Um, the Nomad, Bob. You and I talked about this last week. Uh, this was one of those things that I really, really wanted because, you know, portable Genesis games. Um, yeah, I, I'm there because um, I already had a whole library of games. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those things that I never got one. Um, so I, it was kind of one of those things that I, I certainly didn't seek out later in life. Um, but I really wanted one, you know. So, um, But uh, Bob, you had mentioned the comment last week about those things eating batteries. Yeah, I borrowed one uh, for a train ride that I took when when my family moved down here. Uh, Ryan Morrison, who used to be my manager at at Game Crazy in in Woodbury Heights, who now runs the Nerd Mall at Polsky's Corner in Woodbury. There's a cheap plug for you. Um, he let me borrow his his Nomad, and I played it on the train, and it was really cool to be able to play the games. But dude, it ate so many damn batteries. It was ridiculous. Rich, you got one of these things. Um, I do not. I, I wasn't a Sega kid growing up. I was a Nintendo kid. Um, I would go over Bob's house to play with his Genesis. So I, it wasn't, you know, I, I bought a Genesis later on instead of a Nomad. Um, for the same reasons. I, one, the screen isn't great. Uh, the screen is horrible on the Game Gear, too. I have a Game Gear. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not great. They need batteries like crazy. So, nah. Yeah, I actually I remember borrowing that was the I remember that being the one Sega system you had was the Game Gear because I remember borrowing the uh, the X Men games from you for it. Yeah, I wish I still had them. Are they are they worth money now? I I don't I, I honestly don't know. I haven't really kept up with the game because again I just even though I had them, you play the games for a little while and they're not uh, not that great, so I never don't keep track. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on. We we did some peripherals here. Um, you know, more specifically than your TV tuner. Um, but let's go back to more console peripherals. 
Uh, Bob, this is probably one of the more famous ones, uh, the power glove. Oh, it's so bad. Um, that was a line. So cool, but it's so cool. <laughs> no, no, that, that was the line from uh, from the wizard. Yeah, the, oh, that's right. That's right. I that's love right. the power glove. Yes, it's so it's bad. <laughs> um, so it's funny because I I just watched a video on YouTube about it about the development and everything, and it was actually the dude that that made it was originally making a glove that would basically act like a theremin. Um, it was gonna be like an it was gonna be like a like a musical instrument. He was like he was in school for music. Um, and then it went off and it changed into it was gonna be this more high-tech tool to allow um you to move like com like computerized stuff in like a 3D space. And it had all these grand designs and it was supposed to be this really awesome thing. But then by the time it got to the point where they were gonna bring it to market with the budgetary constraints and the time constraints that were placed on them. They ended up reducing it to what it was, which is something that looked really cool, but as far as I knew, never really worked that well. And I remember seeing it in the Sears catalog around Christmas and really wanting it. Um, but there's a throwback for you, kids. But uh, I don't, I don't know. Rich, did you ever have it? I, I had one of these as a kid. I, I got it either for my birthday or Christmas or or something one year. And uh, oh yeah, it never, it never worked. Um, it's it. <laughs> couple of reasons the the sensors like you're saying it uses ultrasonic um for the positioning so you have to take these two bars and put them on your tv they never fit the tv perfectly so it couldn't give you the perfect position on the screen and then you're a little kid so your hand is smaller than the glove even if you get the small glove because they came in different sizes and um yeah i mean as a seven-year-old, however old I was, I mean, it was fun for for an hour or two, uh, but then it just goes away. And like, oh, this sucks. I'm not going to use it again. I can use a controller. Um, and this is one of the things that I'd love to have again, but I want it in the box. <laughs> and you can't find them in the box for what I consider a reasonable price. And I spend a lot of money on things. So if I can't find that at a price I want to pay, it's just... It's, it's insane. And, and I only want one because it looks awesome. It does. It does. I mean, the, when you look at the glove itself, it looks like it's going to be so cool and awesome, like that scene out of uh, out of the Wizard, and it's just iconic. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that was the thing. Like it, you know. I think everybody had such great expectations based on that movie, and then it, it just it fizzled, man. And if they would have been able to do it. Uh, the way that they wanted, like originally, the way that it it told the you know whatever the uh, the interface was that, that that what it was doing is it had fiber optics in the fingers, and however much you flexed, however much light went through was how much it let the light through, and it was like this really insane, complicated, cool system, and it it had so much more control over what you were able to do, and and it was much more fine than what they ended up doing because they ended up um they went from that to like a fluid based thing where like if you bent it would be different fluid or a different fluid level and then it eventually just went to what it became um which was like a shell of itself i think the main problem though is that they weren't designing games for the power glove they were trying to make the power glove work on the games that already existed that's true. That's so true. nothing was totally fixed into or 
dialed into the game you were playing. Yeah, because wasn't there – there was only, what, like three or four games that ended up coming out for the Power Glove? I can only think of one, so I'm not, not entirely sure. I know you can't use it in Punch-Out like you think you would. Right. So that was uh, – yeah. No, yeah, that 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 sucked. Uh, racing games. I think you could use it in racing games um, like a steering wheel. But I, I never I – I think Rad Racer I tried to play once with it. But I, I don't like the racing games with the Wii U controller, and it's kind of like the same thing. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I don't like the racing games with the Wii controller or the Wii U controller. Um, I think – I remember there being Super Glove Ball. Yeah, that's one I know. Yeah. Wasn't – I thought – Bad dudes or or something like that, like some kind of fighting game like that came out that was supposed to be um that was supposed to be for it too. But I, I could be wrong with that. I can't remember. I, I watched the, uh, you know it was all in the video, but Bad Bad Street Brawler. That's the one, Bad Street Brawler, yeah. So yeah, no, I yeah, it was one of those things my buddy of mine had that, and um Rich, you you hit on it um there. It's one of those things that like you learn limitations when you're a kid and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to pick up the regular controller because this is just not fun anymore. So I completely agree with your yeah, sentiment there. I think the angry video game nerd did it in his video, but what winds up happening is um, you have different codes for the games you're going to do, which kind of sets what the fingers are supposed to do or whatever. But there's also um, a regular Nintendo controller on the, glove itself so you wind up just taking off the glove and using the regular controller which <laughs> defeats the purpose yeah. 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 um all right moving on a couple other peripherals we won't uh stay too long here but the uh super scope and the second menacer uh bob you want to hit on these yeah i mean the super scope that's another thing that rich i'm pretty um do i remember that correctly you had the super scope i i did have the super scope and it was it was fun i think i only ever had a couple of games for like um the super, the one that came with it, and I, I don't, I don't know if they ever got any other games, but it, it worked really well. Um, it was just big. I mean, it was shaped like a bazooka, so you had it on your shoulder, with your uh, hand like wrapped around the top of it to shoot it. So it was just uncomfortable, and it was six batteries, so it was a, a bit, I mean, it lasted a while with the six batteries, but you still needed to have six double A's. Right, and that was something. I mean, just based on the form factor, that was something I wanted to have. I didn't even have a, a Super Nintendo when I was a kid, but I, I wanted a Super Nintendo, and I really wanted a Super Scope because I wanted a bazooka. Um, um, I have one now, and I have the Mario Safari. Yes, Yoshi, Yoshi Safari, where you go around shooting yeah. goombas and stuff. But the Super Scope I have doesn't work, so I was never actually able to play. Oh. Uh, so that was a bummer. Ah, oh, that sucks. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I mean, that would have been the one game that I really would have wanted. Um, didn't for some reason, why am I thinking that, did, did Sonic Blast Man work with that for some reason? I don't know. I don't remember why I'm thinking of that game and, and the Super Scope together. But yeah, I remember the Super Scope 6 uh, came with it. And I don't remember the games for that. What there I was like Whack-A-Mole. Um, there was a missile shooter game with that too. It, it was just a tech demo, so there's a couple. It was six different games, obviously. All right. Um, the Sega, the uh, the Menacer. So we'll, we'll go to the Sega version of, of this thing, basically. Um, the the thing that was interesting to me, Bob, you mentioned uh, Terminator Two, the arcade game, which I spent many, many, many hours, um, you know, just just mowing down enemies in that game, uh, whether it was in the arcade or just you know, uh, with my with the controller. Man, I would have loved to have have this thing. Um, you know, instead of a controller, 
uh, just to give that extra arcade feel at home. So um, what do you got on this? So, I mean, this was another one. This was super cool. It wasn't as cool as, in my eyes, as a bazooka. Um, but it was cool because it was kind of modular. Like, you could set up the site um, for either your left or your right eye, depending. And it had a stock that you could take on and off. Um, so it was just it was just a cool little toy gun. And, man, yeah, I, I would have loved to have it during, during some Terminator 2 arcade, mowing down some T-800s and, and stuff like that. Because it was really cool. And I loved that game. And I played the heck out of it with a friggin' controller. So, you know what? Obviously, I would have done better. I where I like I like to think I would have done better with an actual light gun. Um, I don't really know. I think maybe when Revolution X came out for the Genesis, which I can't imagine was a good port, I stayed away from it. Um, I played it on the PC because I figured, oh, it's got a CD. It probably had some of the music, which it did, which was better, but the graphics were still god-awful. Anyway, uh, I remember playing it, um, playing Terminator 2 with a cross pad is not fun. and uh, But I, I really don't know what other games would have worked with it for the Genesis because I think the Punisher game that came out was a side-scroller. I don't think it, it was a shooting game. It was. It yeah. was a port of an arcade game. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's dive in a couple more systems here, and then we've got some just kind of random things that we'll hit on. Um, the Atari Jaguar, which... <laughs> It's interesting. This is one of those systems that, um, uh, wow, I, it's so heralded, I think, at, at the time. And it's, um, it, it's it's just such an interesting piece of video game history, to me, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was, um, aside from the, the Lynx, this was the last system I remember, um, or the la this was the last system that Atari made, I believe. Um, and it, it, I remember it being... Build as a 64-bit system, but for some reason I'm thinking that it really wasn't 64-bit, that it was actually 32, but through some trickery they could pretend that it was 64. Rich, you, you know any more on that one? Um, I think you have it right. It's kind of the same as the TurboGrafx-16 wasn't a true 16-bit uh, system. I think it just had access to, I think it was a 16-bit bus, and that's how they got around it, where there was more access to more memory. Yeah, two yeah. Two 30-bit, excuse me, had two 32-bit processors. That's how they got around it. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. And it, it was funny because this is a system that I don't really remember the games aside from like Aliens versus Predator that I think came out for it. Um, or not Alien versus Predator. It was... No, that was... It was Alien Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and it had a weird controller. And they eventually turned it into like some kind of dental... They used... Somebody bought the mold and used it to make dental equipment. Yep. Which, uh, I, I, you know, I never thought that I would say that. Um, oh, yeah, they took this 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 mold for this video game system and turned it into dental equipment. But it, it's still a system I want. I just, you know, and, and Richie got mad at me for, for putting this in the notes, but I, and it, it's just my ignorance on the library. I don't really know what games I would really want to play for it. I know I want the system, I just don't know what I would play. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yes, excuse me. <clears throat> there was one. Uh, they had a couple okay games. Um, Alien vs. Predator is all right. Uh, it probably would have been better if you played it when it first came out because it's kind of dated now. Um, what's cool, though, is you can be a human, an alien, or a predator on that. So you can uh, kind of go through each of the campaigns, which is awesome. Nice. Um, it's got a good port of... Uh, Wolfenstein 3D. It's actually a port of the Macintosh version. 
Uh, so the levels are different. So if you've never played the Mac version, it's like a new level expansion of Wolfenstein 3D. Um, but the reason I got one later in life, uh, when I was a kid, I had a Commodore 64. That was my first computer. And there's this crazy, uh, first of all, it was bigger in England. Uh, so there was this crazy British developer um, named Jeff Minner. Uh, all of his games are psychedelic. Uh, there's lots of uh, just bright colors, the techno soundtracks and stuff like that. Um, he actually, if you had an Xbox 360, he did the visualizer for that. So if you ever listen to music on that, uh, the trippy colors in the background um, was a program developed by him. Uh, but Atari had him create two games for the Jaguar when it first came out. Uh, one was um, oh, uh, Defender, uh, Defender 2000. So it was an upgrade of their uh, arcade Defender game. That wasn't good. The, the sprites were too big, so it's hard to play. Um, but the good one was Tempest 2000. Uh, Tempest is one of my more favorite arcade games. Um, it's a tunnel shooter, so uh, your character goes around. Um, the first level is a circle. So you go around the outside of a circle, and you're shooting into it like you're shooting down a well. Um, so you have that, but everything's purple, wire-framed, and particles everywhere with the techno soundtrack. Um, you can actually, when it came out, you could buy the soundtrack separate. Huh. And the soundtrack's just phenomenal. Um, and it, it is a, a killer app. Like, like you, for a while, you couldn't um, emulate a Jaguar either. When I say a while, I mean like five years ago, you still couldn't oh, emulate wow. it well. So if you wanted to play this game, uh, you either played that one, uh, the yeah, the hard copy on the Jaguar, or they put it out as Tempest X for the PlayStation. But they changed some things, so it's not quite as nice as the uh, the Jaguar version. And what's cool, um, like I said, this guy is a nut. Uh, he programmed it so you could uh, play with a rotary controller, because that's how the arcade game was played. Mm -hmm. But Atari never put out a rotary controller for the Jaguar. So he released schematics for you to build your own. Oh, no kidding. So yeah. kind of like the paddle controllers for the original 2600. Exactly, yep, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's um. he's also, a, you know, if you have a PS4, he has um, a pile of VR games that are psychedelic, but he keeps upgrading Tempest. Um, and Atari keeps letting him do it, so it's officially uh, licensed versions of Tempest. And the last one, I think, was um, Tempest 4K came out last year for the PS4. Oh, sweet. Yeah, which is an awesome game. Yeah, that All might right. make me put the VR helmet back on. <laughs> yeah, his VR games are cool. They're um, They're out there. All right, let's uh, touch on uh, 3DO real quick. Bobby threw this down here as a note. Um, I don't have much on it. What do you have? So this was another one that, like, I don't really have a whole lot of childhood experience with. I remember one of my uh, one of the kids I went to college with my freshman year, he had one, and I don't ever really remember playing it. I remember seeing it and just being like, oh, man, a 3DO. And he's like, yeah, you know, I use it for music. And he didn't even really play it. He used it to play music. Um and I just, it's one that, again, kind of like the Jaguar, I don't really know much about the library, but I know I want one. Um, and maybe that's just me being a, a video game pack rat, but I know that I, I don't know that I want it, but I know that I want it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Rich, you got anything on the 3DO? You have one now? Um, I don't have one now. Um, I, I never knew anybody that had one. I I had the chance to buy it a couple of times, but the, the library just didn't seem seem worth it um 
kind of related to that. We don't have it on the thing, but uh, the CDI. I had one of the consoles I picked up at a yard sale as a kid was the the CDI, which um, was a lousy console for games. It mostly played <laughs> it was uh, FMV full motion video games, um, but it was the nineties, so they like were worse than the Sega CD FMV games. Um, so I had that one for a couple of months and sold it. Uh, then I found out that there were better games for it that I just never had. So I've recently, not recently, um, I have a CDI again, and I upgraded the uh, MPEG card in it so you could play better videos. And uh, you guys probably remember this. There was a Hulk Hogan uh, TV show where he rode in a boat that was smart, kind of like Kit. Tropic uh, Thunder. Thunder, Thunder and Paradise. Thunder Paradise. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have a. It's basically just an episode of that that they film that you can play uh, interactively. Nice. So and, uh, it's almost worth picking up a CDI just to play that. And then it also has the famous um, Zelda games that are horrible. Oh Jesus! Yeah, the one. I have. I have the cheap one of them. Um, I think I got it for less than nine. There's three of them, and they just kind of go up in price each one, um, and none of them are worth the price. Uh, to play there's also a mario game uh mario hotel which i have uh which is slightly better it's an arcadey type game but it's still not great the you video know, the videos in them are great the games themselves aren't great i remember uh the mcstays actually had that oh, did they yeah um they had the, they had the cdi i don't remember the games but I, I feel like they had one of the zelda games or both the zelda games um oh. funny funny story about um thunder and paradise i actually they used to film it and especially the boat scenes they filmed at Disney World in Orlando. And uh, one time when we were at the Grand Floridian, the boat was on the beach at the Grand Floridian, and they were filming. And that's they did a lot of the filming in that in the the whatever the heck the Seven Seas Lagoon or whatever they call it out in front of Disney World. Um, but yeah, that's I, I've actually seen that boat in person, and and Hulk Hogan too. <laughs> if, uh, if you have the decoder card in it, you can actually watch. They put out. Uh video CDs, and I had Beverly Hills Cop um, for the uh, CDI. Oh, get out. That's funny. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, we still have uh, quite a few here. Uh, we can we can either do this uh, or do you, I, I'd say I, I, we can uh, do a two-parter because I, I, this has been fun. Uh, we, yeah, just have, we just have a whole lecture, a couple pages of notes here. So, <laughs> Yeah, do we want to uh, do we want to cut it in half here and do, do yeah. the other half tomorrow? Yeah, I say let's do that because uh, this has been great, guys, and uh, I, I think uh, we'll, we'll kill people with three hours of content. <laughs> Rich, you good to come back tomorrow? Oh uh, yeah, I have nothing, uh, nothing planned. All right, excellent. Well, all right, yeah. there we go, guys. Let's, there it is. We're yeah, let's pop the brakes on this one because we have some uh, uh, some more content we want to cover with uh, everyone here. Um, but we, uh, I don't, I don't think uh, we've got the, uh, I don't know, I don't have the energy to go another couple pages here <laughs> <laughs> all right so there we go guys we're we're gonna cut it short for now but we will be back tomorrow with another another edition of uh the the bucket list the, the yeah. gaming bucket list the gaming regrets um this has been fun guys i'm looking forward to tomorrow yeah, yeah definitely this is a great part one um i think uh we'll we'll, uh, we'll come back as energizer part two and tomorrow we can talk about arcade games Yes, 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 we exactly. can. Exactly, exactly, we got to, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, well, until next time, this has been the Noise Brigade. 
and we will see you tomorrow. Later on. Bye.